Hello friends, my name is Ryan McCaffrey, and if you're listening to this, it means you have some sort of curiosity to some degree or another about buying and or owning a Tesla. And uh, so to tell you a little bit about me, if you don't know me, I host a weekly Tesla podcast, which I suppose you've sussed out by finding this in some capacity, but uh, it's called Ride the Lightning, Tesla Motors' unofficial podcast. I do it every week. New episodes come out every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, and I cover that week's Tesla events, news and analysis and, and reactions. And a listener of mine had a great idea recently and said, hey, Ryan, it'd be great for you to do basically like a, a beginner's guide to Tesla for people that are new to it, that have a lot of questions, a lot of the sort of basic questions. And I said, you know, that's a wonderful idea. And uh, I have now decided I should do that. So here I am. Uh, my goal here is to hopefully educate you. I've got, uh, let's see, I've broken this up into 11 total chapters, really 10 chapters, and there's a conclusion plus this. But 10 sort of chapters and I want to put all the time codes for those uh, as best I can in the description so you can skip around to wherever you want to go. But uh, a little background on me real quick before I get started and, and why uh, I'm here doing this uh, and sort of what qualifies me to sit here and, and try and give some beginner's advice about Tesla. So I've been totally in love with Tesla for about nine years now. And in that time, I, I've gone completely down the Tesla rabbit hole uh, because I drove the original Tesla Roadster nine years ago in 2009. And it just changed my, it really changed my life. I don't mean that in like a, you know, crazy or, but just it, it changed my perspective. Let me put it that way on, on what driving, what cars can be and what the future of cars can look like. And I followed the, clo the company very closely ever since from the Model S's introduction to the X to now the Model 3, and now I own, I'm very, very grateful and fortunate to own a performance Model 3. So uh, I've learned a lot, and by virtue of covering them every single week on, on Ride the Lightning, my Tesla podcast, I'm, I keep up to date on everything, all the trends, all the topics, everything going on. So my goal here is to try and distill a lot of the, the frequently asked questions, the, the core basic information, into this podcast that you can refer to at any time and hopefully uh, get some knowledge out of, or, or maybe it will spark a question for you that I then encourage you to email me if I don't cover it here that we can talk about together privately, because the goal with this is to educate you and inform you. So my regular podcast listeners, you are all welcome to skip this because this is stuff that probably most of you know the bulk of, if not all of, uh, and it's there's going to be some things here that, that I'm repeating myself from times in the weekly show, but it's, the point of this is a beginner's guide to buying and owning a Tesla. So I'm just going to give you the quick, here, quick uh, plan. I'm going to start with an overview of the cars, then move to the ordering process, and then what to do before delivery, what to do while you're taking delivery. I'm going to cover charging and supercharging after that. Autopilot will be section six. Maintenance, section seven. Cleaning and detailing the car, section eight. Section nine, some miscellaneous tips and tricks. And then section 10, I'll talk a little bit at the end about the future of Tesla's vehicle lineup, what cars they have coming in the future. So 
again, if you think that I missed any areas in this that should be covered in something like this, please email me. Let me know. My email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. I got to figure that I'll have inevitably left out something that a lot of folks are curious about in this. So your feedback can help me know what to put in any sort of part twos, any sequels to this podcast that might be useful or necessary, uh, depending on how much I leave out of this one. I'm trying to make it as comprehensive as I can. But anyway, I'm blathering on too long. Uh, I want to get started. And just, just one final note, I guess. For those of you that are new, if you listen to this, uh, and just you get all the information, but you just want to talk more about Tesla or you have uh, just any additional questions or follow-ups, please consider me a resource. I'm here. Email me at that same email address I mentioned a minute ago. And I'm happy to, I just love talking about Teslas. That's why I've done a, a weekly podcast for the last three plus years. This is fun for me. So uh, I'm here for you. I'm happy to talk anytime. And with that, let me get started. Section one, Tesla car overview. Let's talk about Tesla's three vehicles. There's the Model S. It's a full-size sedan. It starts at $77,000 as of this recording here in October of 2018. So that uh, I'll get to, there's an asterisk on that. I'll talk about that in a minute. But the Model S has an absolutely massive amount of cargo capacity. Some of that cargo space is in the frunk, aka the front trunk. Teslas have no engine, of course, as they are all electric vehicles. The, the, motor, the motor in a Tesla is about the size of a watermelon, and it sits between, uh, in the S and X, the, there's one between the front wheels and one between the rear wheels because all Model S and Model X are now uh, all-wheel drive. And on the Model 3, there's a rear-wheel drive Model 3, as well as an, uh, there are all-wheel drive variants. So uh, the frunk, yeah, front trunk, the shorthand for that is frunk. It's a fun term. It sounds goofy. It sounds funny and it's really fun to use. So uh, some of that, anyway, there's a little bit of cargo space in the frunk, but most of that storage space is in the absolutely cavernous hatchback in the Model S. When you fold down the rear seats in the S, you have an absolutely ridiculous, seriously SUV-like amount of storage when you fold down the rear seats in a Model S because of that hatchback. The Model S features a 17-inch in-dash portrait-oriented touchscreen that's standard in every single car. That is how you control almost everything in a Model S. The base range for a Model S is, again, as of recording this, 259 miles. That's the 75D variant, which stands for a 75-kilowatt-hour battery, D for dual-motor, all-wheel drive. For more money, there is a 100D, that's a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack that with a range of 335 miles. Then there's the P100D, which is the one you may have seen on YouTube smoking Lamborghinis and Ferraris at drag strips, uh, zero to 60 in about 2.3 seconds or so on that car. And its range is 315 miles. The base performance, on that 75D, so the slowest Model S that's produced now, does zero to 60 miles per hour in 4.2 seconds. So every single Model S made today is pretty quick. Uh, many premium options are now included 
in the Model S. The only real options you have anymore, Tesla's done a lot of adjusting and always continues to adjust how their option packages work. But as of recording this, you can basically take sunroof or all glass roof, the, the latter being standard. You can choose your interior color. There are, uh, as of today, although Elon tweeted uh, recently that on November 1st, the interior options on S and X would change. So uh, these are going to change almost certainly. But as of today, when I record this, October 27th, 2018, there is a black interior, black seats. There is a white interior that has white seats and a cream interior. Uh, one or more of those may go away or different configurations. So just you know, take a look on tesla.com to see what's available as far as interior options uh, whenever you're listening to this and you're curious. And the other the other only real option is whether or not you choose to purchase enhanced autopilot, but I'm going to do a whole section on autopilot later. You've probably heard about it. I'll get to that later on. The next vehicle in Tesla's lineup is the Tesla Model X. It is a full-size SUV. It starts at $83,000. It has it also has a massive amount of cargo capacity. If you're choosing the default five-seat option, or it's uh, your standard two seats in the first row, and then a three-seat bench that can fold down in the second row, and no third row in the default five-seater. Uh, however, you can uh, pay more money for a six-seater or a seven-seater, uh, and the they those uh, add add-on price-wise, and they're also going to cut into your cargo capacity. Obviously, in my humble opinion. You know, everyone's needs or wants are different, but in my humble opinion, the six-seater is the ideal configuration in the Model X because you still get a good amount of storage space. The second row uh, sort of cool captain's chair style seats don't fold all the way down, but you get the, there's a gap, you know, there's there's a space between those second row seats. So it's it literally, to me, it feels like a, I mean, I've never flown private, but what I see on TV and movies, it looks like a private plane inside the cabin of that car. And the, the not having that middle seat in the second row really opens up the interior. It lets you more easily scoop back to the third row, to the two seats in the third row. So that's my personal uh, preference when it comes to Model X. The Model X also, exactly like the Model S, has a 17-inch in-dash portrait-oriented touchscreen that's standard. Again, this is how you control just about everything in the car. The base range on a Model X, using that same 75D uh, designation, uh, the same 75 kilowatt-hour pack that the Model S has, uh, it is a 237-mile range. Uh, it's, of course, that's you'll note that's less than the Model S it's because the X weighs a lot more. It is a much bigger, heavier car with bigger wheels, tires and wheels on it. So it does not quite, it's not quite as efficient with its energy usage as the Model S is. Then the 100D on the X is rated at 295 miles of range. And the P100D, which does zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds. Yes, a seven seat family SUV can do zero to 60 in under three seconds, and that is a 289-mile range vehicle. The base performance, if you're getting the 75D, does 0 to 60 in 4.9 seconds. Like the S, many premium options are now included, but uh, as I sort of touched on, 
the seating configurations, that's really where your your pricing can fluctuate uh, and your just the the way you want the look and feel inside the car can be can be tweaked quite a bit depending on if you take five, six, or seven seat interior. Now the big the showstopper piece with Model X are of course the Falcon wing doors that go the it's the rear doors that go up. Not so much out, mostly up, and then they sort of spread out from there. If you've seen Back to the Future, the, the you're familiar with the DeLorean from Back to the Future that has gull wing doors. The Falcon wing doors on the Model X are in that same family, but they are hinged in a second's place. They're not just hinged at the, the, the middle of the roof. They're also hinged at the uh, at the the edge of the roof as well, so that they can they can sort of stay in tighter and then come up and f- and then stretch out from there. So if you're in a tight parking spot, you, you need about roughly 12 to 14 inches of horizontal clearance in order to get the Model X's Falcon wing doors all the way open. My experience with them, because uh, I mentioned the DeLorean for, for a good reason, I used to own a DeLorean. I had one for 12 years. That's a story for another podcast. In fact, you can listen to episode one of Ride the Lightning to kind of get my background uh, of, of uh, DeLorean actually kind of helped me find Tesla in a weird way. But again, you can listen to that story elsewhere. But the, of course, on a, on a DeLorean, a little two-seat sports car, the gullwing doors are nowhere near as large and as tall as the Falcon wing doors on a Model X. Most Model X owners seem to be at least okay with their with their falcon wing doors some people love them some people kind of tolerate them and uh you know aren't necessarily completely happy with them but uh the 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 idea is that you can have the falcon wing door open and be able to put a child in a baby seat and not have to be scrunched over at all you can be standing up completely straight completely tall underneath the open falcon wing door canopy I definitely suggest that you go see them and play with them yourself at your nearest Tesla store location in order to form your own opinion about Model X's Falcon Wing doors, which, yes, are standard on every single Model X. You can't option them out. You can't get rid of them. They are there uh, one way <laughs> one way or another. They're there. Finally, there's the Tesla Model 3. It is a mid-size sedan, as of this recording, it starts at $45,000 before any tax incentives. That's for the newly introduced mid-range battery, which is good for 260 miles of range. The standard battery, which is uh, due to be rated at about 215 miles of range, that is due out in approximately the first quarter of 2019, though we don't know yet, as of this recording, if the premium interior that's been required on every single Model 3 to date will also be required on that standard battery configuration. My guess is that it will, at least at first. And if that's the case, then the standard range Model uh, standard range Model 3 battery will start, or Model 3 configuration, I should say, will start at $40,000 before any incentives. That'll be $35,000 for the base price and the $5,000 price on the premium uh, interior package. The Model 3 has a trunk, a traditional sedan trunk, and not a hatchback. There is still a good lot of cargo volume in there. Uh, I speak from personal experience, but about half as much overall as the Model S. 
There is still a touchscreen that powers everything in the Model 3, just like the S and the X, but it is a 15-inch landscape-oriented touchscreen that is standard in the car. Again, it's how you control 99% of everything. The only other buttons in the car are your window switches and the hazard lights, which are located above you uh, on the, in the center of the ceiling uh, between the driver and passenger in the front row. The base range in a Model 3, there's the 260-mile range in the mid-range. That's Again, that's available now. Not The standard battery's not available yet. And then there is the 310-mile range, which is the long-range battery, uh, the uh, dual motor, and the Performance Model 3. Performance all-wheel drive. Those are rated at 310-mile battery packs. The base performance in the Model 3 0 to 60 miles per hour in 5.6 seconds. That's going to be uh, what the standard battery will do as well as the mid-range battery. The uh, long-range Model 3 does 0 to 60 in 5.2. The dual-motor all-wheel drive Model 3, which I shorthandedly refer to as the 3D, as in three Model 3 dual-motor, does 0 to 60 in 4.5 seconds. And the performance Model 3 does zero to 60 miles per hour. Uh, Tesla now calls it 3.3 seconds, but they had previously called it 3.5 seconds. And I've tried to ask Elon Musk on Twitter unsuccessfully so far, uh, whether or not they're just measuring it with a one foot rollout where they weren't before, which some car magazines do, which kind of gooses the number a little bit, or if there is in fact a software update, an over the air software update that will be coming to actually uncork a little bit of extra power out of the the motors that is entirely possible tesla has done that before with the model s and the model x so uh in any case about 3.3 3.5 seconds on the performance model 3 and again as i said the premium interior is required for now as of this recording so your only options when you're purchasing a model 3 are first of all which trim you want mid-range uh, dual, dual motor all-wheel drive or performance all-wheel drive. And then you can choose enhanced autopilot, your interior color, whether you'd like black interior or white. The white interior will cost you $1,000 more. And then your wheel size. And I want to talk about the effect that, that uh, wheel size and tires have on your Tesla. I'll talk about that a little later. I just want to note one thing in this section. Uh, two things, actually, I apologize. Number one, Tesla prices do fluctuate in both directions. They'll go up, they'll go down. And that happens relatively frequently. So uh, please take everything I'm telling you here as far as the, the dollar figures with a grain of salt. Check tesla.com for the latest information. Also, uh, something of note, all Teslas have a $1,200 delivery documentation destination fee on top of your sticker price. There is no getting out of it, even if you take delivery right near the factory in Fremont, which I did. So just bear that in mind. That's an additional cost that you will need to plan for. That brings us to the end of section one. We're gonna move on to section two. Section two, ordering. All right, if you're torn between options, uh, I may be able to help here. I get questions like, should I get enhanced autopilot or dual motor? 
I get those kinds of questions a lot on Model 3 because they're similarly priced options and they each have strong benefits. Uh, there, there's, you know, and, and your budget may be fixed and you can't afford both, so you need to pick one. So what do you do? I get questions like that a lot. So just to use that as an example, like, all right, if you're going to order do you, and you've got to pick one or the other, do you want to take enhanced autopilot or dual motor all-wheel drive? Well, dual motor is awesome. Let me tell you that much. The handling on an all-wheel drive Tesla is slot car-like. In a Tesla, as I said, you know, there's no engine. The front and rear uh, spaces are, are not only cargo areas, but they're also crumple zones, which is why the, uh, the three, all three Teslas are the, the safest cars in their class. Uh, the Model 3 is the safest car that the government, U.S. government has ever crash tested. And also, the battery packs for, model, for all three Teslas are located in the floor. They're underneath you. And what that does is it not only lowers the center of gravity in the car, making the handling Lamborghini-like in a sense. I don't want to directly compare it. I've never driven a Lamborghini, but you know, it, it makes it exotic car-like. Let me put it that way. But also, it makes the bottom of the car very strong, very rigid. So you're not going to get any flex there. It is very safe. It's very sporty. It's super fun. It's a win all around. Also on a dual motor all-wheel drive car, the performance is better. The uh, winter handling is especially superb. But that said, rear-wheel drive Teslas, which at this point only the Model 3 is being made in a rear-wheel drive variant, they still do very, very well in the snow. Uh, you can, you can, I don't, I don't do snow uh, because I live in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, but I've read so many, just countless hundreds, if not thousands of posts on Tesla forums of people talking about their winter experiences in other parts of the country and around the world. So a rear-wheel drive Model 3 will still do very, very well in the snow. The key, certainly, like any car, proper winter tires, that's going to be important. But that said, dual motor will be even uh, more composed in a in a winter setting. So that's something to factor in. And really, like, in that specific example, which again, as I said, I get a lot, which is why I'm using it, if you're weighing those options, one thing to remember is that autopilot can be added later. You can turn it on after delivery because every single Tesla has all of those cameras and sensors built in. It's just a matter of if you have the, the feature unlocked via software or not. So you can unlock it anytime. Now, it costs more to do that. It costs you $6,000 to turn on enhanced autopilot if you do it after you take delivery of the car versus $5,000 if you order it with your car. However, if you change your mind about dual motor later, if you don't get it and you decide later, oh man, I really wish I'd gotten all-wheel drive, there's no retrofit for that. There's no upgrade price. You, you are stuck with what you've got. You're stuck with your wheel, rear wheel drive car. So that's, bear that in mind. I, I tend to, when I give that advice to people, if they're kind of on the fence, I say, well, you might want to go with the thing that you can't change your mind on later. So bear that in mind as an example. Now, a quick note on tires and wheels as you're ordering your car. Tesla has some really nice, very cool looking wheel options on all three cars, S, X, and 3. 
But your tire and wheel choice can have a significant impact, or let me put it this way, a not insignificant impact on your range. The larger the wheel, the bigger the hit to your range. I can use my Model 3 as a specific example. I told you I have the Performance Model 3, and that has 20-inch wheels. In my experience with the car thus far, I've owned it for about three months as of the recording of this podcast. I've noticed about a 10% hit in my overall range. In other words, instead of 310 EPA-rated miles, with my giant 20-inch wheels, uh, I get, I'm, gonna get, I'm getting more like about 280 or so miles of range. Uh, so, And this is compared to the standard 18-inch aero wheel. Now, the aero wheel is very aerodynamic, very efficient. You can take the aero cover off, though, and there's a, a fairly nice design underneath that. A lot of Model 3 owners like to do that, so that is an option for you. You will see a bit of a hit on the, on the range there, but not too much. Certainly nothing compared to the 20-inch uh, that I'm doing. Now, my 20-inch my wheels, I've got the grippy, sticky summer tires on there. You know, it's a performance variant of the car. So cornering, acceleration are better on my car. And in my humble opinion, subjective, they look great. I love the look of them. But I knew all of this going in. I knew I would, I knew I'd be suffering a range penalty by choosing the larger wheel. So just take that information with you when you're choosing your wheel size. You know, maybe you decide you want to split the difference. If you're getting a Model 3, maybe you want to get the 19-inch wheel. That's still, it's the same design. It's the same style wheel as my 20-inch. It's called a sport uh, wheel is the name of it. But it's uh, it's one inch smaller. It'll You'll split the difference, basically, between the 18-inch uh, range and the 20-inch the wheel range. So... Uh, the same logic, however, does apply to the Model S, which has a 19-inch wheel option by default or a 21-inch turbine-style wheel. Same thing on, uh, exact same thing on the Model X, except uh, it's 20-inch standard versus 22-inch on the turbine there. Now, as of this recording, one other thing about, so we're on the topic of ordering, you cannot order the full self-driving option on your car as a $3,000 prepay. Now, full self-driving is not yet available, but it's been there as a, as a thing you can buy as a prepay. Effectively, you know, just, just pre-ordering it uh, for less money than, than you would if you waited until it, it actually rolled out to the Tesla fleet of vehicles. So... Uh, per my most recent information, which again, I, I, I can't emphasize enough, is subject to change as time goes on. It does appear that you can order that $3,000 full self-driving prepay off menu if you want, which means you'll need to contact Tesla after your order and prior to your delivery if you'd like that. Otherwise, it will cost you $5,000 to activate that full self-driving feature, which you can do anytime through your My Tesla account. But again, it's only going to do anything for you, just to, just to be super clear about this, which Tesla is on their website as well, but it's only going to actually do anything if and when the time comes that Tesla not only has that software ready to go on their side, but your federal and local and state governments have given regulatory approval 
for a full self-driving where you do not have to have the hands on the wheel and you do not have to do anything except sit in the seat. So bear that in mind. Uh, if you're wondering, just sort of you're on the fence, you're curious, uh, it's, you know, it's sort of, it's certainly up to you. It's your decision. Uh, for me, I do plan on keeping my Model 3 for a long time. However, from my studies, my, my opinion of where Tesla is and, and their progress, I chose not to pre-order, not to do the $3,000 uh, full self-driving uh, order on my car. And instead, I, I will wait and I, I will pay the $5,000 when the time comes that the software is ready and the regulatory approval has occurred. I will, I will financially plan for that later myself, but you may feel differently. You may say, hey, I'd rather lock this in at $3,000 if I can get it off menu now and that is your prerogative, and there is, a, there, is, you know, there is a good case to be made either way there. But I just wanted to talk through that with you. Now, one other note on that, in case you kind of hear about this, the third, full self-driving will require Tesla's third-generation autopilot computer, which is referred to as AP 3.0, autopilot 3.0. That is Tesla's own proprietary in-house developed silicon that will be going into cars in either the end of Q1 or sometime in Q2 of 2019. Now, as Elon Musk noted recently, there is absolutely no reason to, to wait to buy your car until that chipset goes in it because either way, you're going to have to pay the money for the full self-driving, whether you have the current autopilot hardware, which is 2.5 version, or you, you have the autopilot 3 hardware. And the, the current suite of enhanced autopilot uh, tools, such as the Navigate on Autopilot uh, technology, which I'll cover in the autopilot section, all that works fine on the current generation chipset, the current generation autopilot computer. So uh, there's definitely, you're, you're going to get what you need regardless. So there, it, it just doesn't matter. There's no benefit to waiting until the autopilot three computer goes into the car to order it. Now, one other note, just because we're talking about ordering, another thing you should make sure to do is put in a referral code when you're ordering your car. And I'll say, so you get it, you, there is a perk that you get by using an owner's, an existing owner's referral code. And currently, that perk is that you get six months of un, free, unlimited supercharging access. So you can supercharge all day, every day, for six months, and it will cost you zero. Uh, now, I, I humbly ask that if you happen to find this beginner's guide to Tesla's podcast useful and or you find my regular Tesla podcast uh, useful, I, I would humbly ask that you please consider using my referral code. Uh, and my code, which so if you're ordering online, you just go to a, a web browser and just type this into the web browser. TS.LA, sort of a shorthand for Tesla, TS.LA slash Ryan, R Y A N, 73014. That's TS.LA slash Ryan 73014. Hit enter, and that's going to take you to the Tesla site, and it's going to tell you, well, it's going to say, well, which car do you want? Say, let's just say Model 3. Click on Model 3, and then you can just configure your car, and it will show you, it will tell you, 
you have Ryan's code in here and you have the six months of free unlimited supercharging baked in uh, when, when you order. Now, if you happen to be ordering in a store, if you're speaking with a sales advisor at a Tesla store, when you're ordering, give them the code Ryan73014. So I, I humbly thank you in advance if you do order and, and uh, choose to use my referral code. All right, that brings us to the end of section two. Section three, before delivery. So if you've ordered your car, congratulations, you are in for a treat. I'm very, very confident in saying that. Before taking delivery, you want to have a charging solution in place at your home. You're probably going to love never going to a gas station again. You're going to leave every day, you're going to leave your home every day with a quote unquote full tank, a full charge. So the question is, how do you facilitate that? Well, Tesla generally recommends installing a NEMA 1450 outlet. That's N-E-M-A 14-50. That's a 50 amp circuit, NEMA 1450 outlet. What that's going to do is that's going to recharge your car at a rate of about between, usually between 30 and 32 miles of range into the battery per hour. So let's say you have the uh, long range, the, the, one of the, maybe the all wheel drive dual motor model three, 310 mile range. That means if you've somehow been out driving 300 miles that day and you come, you roll back in with just about nothing, you're, you're, you're almost, almost uh, out of battery. You pull into your garage at the end of the day, uh, you plug it in. Well, guess what? Uh, 10 hours later, when you wake up, you know, by the time you need to leave the next morning, you've got a full charge again. So that is uh, just to give you a bit of context. Now, how much does it cost to get that? Well, prices will vary a lot based on the installer, the electrician, uh, where you live. There's a lot of different variables. But for instance, I live in the very expensive San Francisco area. I actually live in San Francisco itself. I paid $300 to the electrician for parts and labor to get the, get it installed. And then it cost me about that much to get permits from the city. Now, I suppose you don't technically have to get permits and each, each area may be different. In my case, uh, I wanted to have the permits in place so that in the one in a billion chance, there was some electrical fire, some something that went horribly wrong, the worst case scenario, and my house burned down. That's That would never happen. It hasn't happened. But uh, my insurance would cover, we don't, we'd, we'd be all set. So to me, that was worth the peace of mind of getting those permits. Anyway, a 220 volt dryer outlet can also work for you. That's going to get you around 2025 or so, somewhere in that range of uh 20, 25 miles of range put back into the battery per hour at that rate. You can also use a, a regular 110 volt wall outlet, just the little two prong thing. Uh, the cars do include the adapter for it, but there was only, those are only going to charge your car at, at about one to three, maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, if you're lucky miles of range per hour, not particularly practical. You can also purchase Tesla's high power wall connector. And if the electrician has set that up properly, that's, that's a $500 part, the, the actual charging uh, wall charger. 
that will get you around 60 miles of range per hour if you if you have a Model S or a Model X. And with Model 3, it's about 42 miles of range per hour. Another thing with uh, before delivery, check with your local utility provider to see if they have an electric vehicle rate plan and or in general, if they have low overnight rates, you know, compared to your daytime rate, off-peak, off I guess would be the, the common term for that. But look and see if they have a specific electric vehicle rate plan. Because if they do, what that's going to do is it's going to, in my case, I have, uh, I have that here with uh, the California Utility Company, the big one. And uh, my rates went up a bit during the day on the EV rate plan, but went way down overnight and you can program the car very easily it's very obvious right on the screen uh, you, you plug it in but you tell it don't start charging until 11 p.m when the rates go down when it goes into the those those very low overnight rates so you can set it of course you can program it to charge anytime you can program it to start charging immediately whatever you want to do it'll of course default to immediately unless you've enabled scheduled charging now um, some EV, some utility companies uh, also have an electric vehicle incentive. PG&E here in California has a $500 rebate simply for purchasing and owning an electric vehicle. You should also just check with your local utility company, see if they have any sort of perk like that because it can't hurt to check and you could end up with, you know, in the case of California, 500 extra dollars in your pocket just for buying an electric car, which guess what? will basically cover the cost of your charger installation. So that is kind of the idea behind that. Now, speaking of incentives, since we're talking about before delivery here, let's talk about those for just a second to clarify them. Your state may have some. Uh, for instance, Colorado's is very generous. Here in California, we have a $2,500 rebate that comes as a check as opposed to a tax credit. You can check to see if your state has anything by going to tesla.com slash support slash incentives. Now, and then the federal tax credit. That's the big one. A lot of people are very aware of that. How that works is that it, it works by the total number of electric vehicles delivered in the United States by manufacturer. So it's a manufacturer to manufacturer basis. Once a manufacturer hits 200,000 cars delivered in the United States, that $7,500 federal tax credit that you've probably heard about begins to phase out over time. Tesla is the first and currently only car company to have reached that point. They hit it, so that phase-out process has begun. Now, odds are by the time you hear this, it would probably be too late to take delivery by December 31st and thus be eligible for the full $7,500 tax credit that does start uh, uh, chopping down, starts going down after this quarter. So if you take delivery between January 1st, 2019 and June 30th, 2019, you're going to get a 50% federal tax credit of $3,750. Then the final phase of the phase out is the next two quarters, so the second half of, of calendar 2019, so that's between July 1st and December 31st, 2019, you'd get a quarter credit, 
which is $1,875. So bear in mind, too, that all of this is based on your tax liability. So I'm certainly no tax professional, and I don't know your financial and tax situation, so please consult a tax professional if necessary to figure out if you have that level of tax liability to to qualify for the maximum amount of the the tax credit that is available to you on the vehicle but odds are I'm pretty con- odds are most of you will be especially as it you know ramps down to the 50% credit and then the 25% credit but just again just as a caveat there all right that is the end of the before delivery section section 4 taking delivery well this should be a fairly short section Basically here, you want to ask all the questions you need to, don't feel rushed, look over the entire car, and most importantly, have fun. This is your big day. You are taking delivery of a car that is unlike any car you've ever had in your life that, again, I'm very confident you're going to love. So something that can help you on delivery day, there are several Tesla community-created delivery checklists out there that you can bring with you to your delivery to help give you a written list of things to look out for and check for on your car. I used one that I just pulled up on my phone called uh, that was a teslachecklists.com and I uh, found that to be fairly useful. So as you're looking over the car carefully... Document any issues that you discover, whether it's with the paint, some piece of interior trim, whatever it is, uh, body panel alignment, anything like that. Document any issues that you discover on your phone, both, you know, write them down, like use maybe the notes thing in your phone, uh, and also with pictures. Take pictures, and also please make sure your delivery specialist that is delivering your car is also logging anything that comes up. It will all, that'll all get tagged to your account so that when you make an appointment with the nearest service center to you after delivery to get those issues addressed, there will be a log of it that you have created in Tesla's presence at delivery. Don't worry, though, if you happen to miss anything. Uh, Quite frankly, you probably will. I did. Because guess what? As I said, delivery day is hugely exciting. It is a it is a exciting day. You've got adrenaline flowing. You're you're psyched. Uh, so you do have three days to note any issues with the car and relay those to Tesla that can that they'll you know they'll make sure to get taken care of. So again, just make sure to ask your delivery specialist as many questions as you'd like. They're there to help you. That's the good news. They are there to help you out. Section five, charging and supercharging. Well, let's talk about charging at home. Your car comes with the NEMA 1450 plug, the 110 volt adapter, or the J1772 charging adapter that's used in a lot of the public non-Tesla chargers. Regardless of what your charging method is that you've installed in your home, it's best to charge your battery to 50 to 90%, somewhere in that range, I do 80%. You can adjust that in the charging menu of the car very easily with a slider bar that's that's uh, nicely illustrated in the car as well. The reason for this, the reason you want to keep it charged to, you know, you want to charge up to between 50 and 90%, it's for the long-term health of the battery pack, those lithium-ion cells. 
you only ever want to use 100% full charge for road trips. And when you do need to do that, please don't let it sit at 100%. The ideal thing you want to do is get going as soon as it hits 100%. Don't leave it pinging up against that, you know, just bumping up against that uh, ceiling of 100% charge. For the, again, for the long-term health of the battery pack. Uh, so try to get going as soon as you hit 100%. You know, the other thing, you don't want to get to 0% either, though uh, there is, I'm told, unofficially, un- to be clear, unofficially, that there's about a 10-mile buffer hiding way down there for emergency purposes. But in all seriousness, never test that. That is not a thing you ever want to test. So that's just about a little little note about the long-term health of the battery. Now, uh, supercharging and charging on the go. Superchargers are all over the place at this point. Um, Generally speaking, not maybe by you. You might live in an area where there's only one or two or maybe none yet. But uh, in general, they're, they're really spreading quite a bit. More of them are popping up all the time. Check out the updated map anytime at tesla.com slash supercharger. So there are two types of superchargers. There's the traditional or classic supercharger and the urban supercharger. The latter superchargers are newer. They're smaller. They are white, all white with a Tesla T logo in the middle. The classic ones are a bit larger have kind of this arch design to them, and they have the the Tesla written out in in the their font of letters that's T E S L A uh, lit up at the top of that supercharger. The urban superchargers have a lower overall charge rate. They'll only give you quote unquote only air quotes seventy two kilowatts of juice maximum at a given time, but they charge that consistently. So. When you're at an urban supercharger, feel free to park directly next to other Teslas. Now, if you're wondering what on earth am I talking about with that, well, at the uh, the classic, so-called classic superchargers, those are paired up where two of them sort of share a source. So in other words, um, if two Teslas are charging right next to each other, with one of you on the A charger and the other of you on the B charger, they are labeled. You can see them. Uh, the A or B label on there. Both of you will slow down. The, your charge rate will slow down. That's just how they work. So proper supercharger etiquette is to, whenever possible, space yourselves out from each other. Leave at least one car gap between, uh, you know, one, leave a, leave a space in between your, uh, a charging space in between you and the, and the person that's next to you. Um, that that will avoid the the issue of both of you charging, or even sometimes it's just one of you that gets that's kind of the short end of the stick and charges slower. So space out when possible. Uh, and on a classic supercharger, you'll get a maximum charge rate of 120 kilowatts pumping into your battery. Note as well, your battery will charge up faster. The low in the lower, the more depleted it is. So the, the the SOC state of charge, the lower the state of charge, the quicker it'll it'll uh, 
charge back up. You may have noticed this with your smartphone. You can kind of see it in that. Like if you plug it in when it's low, it'll kind of juice back up pretty quick, but then as it nears getting full, it, it tapers off and starts to slow down. Well, a Tesla charge, char, uh, supercharger works exactly the same way. This is, and that is normal behavior. You should not be worried about that. Also, it's worth noting, supercharging is no longer free. Aside from that six months of free unlimited supercharging that you can get by using a referral code. So uh, the rates at each supercharger vary. It's actually state by state, but they are generally comparable to local electricity rates. You can look up the supercharger rates in your state by going to tesla.com slash support slash supercharging, and you will see a drop-down menu there where you can choose which state. Now, the other kind of charging, there are L2 or level two chargers, because like just the regular wall sockets, level one. Level two means, you know, a bit of a, a meteor charge, a quicker charge. So level two chargers uh, are out there. You know, they're maybe at hotels, they may be at libraries, parking garages, that kind of thing. Uh, sometimes they're referred to as destination chargers because they're at your destination. They don't charge nearly as fast as superchargers, but they still go usually between 40 and 60 miles of range per hour. More and more of those are popping up everywhere. So what I recommend is downloading one of the popular apps that tracks all of them and where they are, uh, such as for, uh, a good example is ChargePoint. If you look up ChargePoint on either the Google Play Store or the, the uh, App Store, you can make an account on there and then you'll be able to use your smartphone, use, uh, use one of those apps like ChargePoint to find chargers when, if no Tesla chargers are handy and you need one, or maybe you're going to the mall and you want to park in the, maybe there's a garage that has a charger, you want to get some juice while you're there, you know, whatever the case may be. So those, those third-party apps can be very, very useful. Section six, autopilot. Feel free to skip this section if you did not order Enhanced Autopilot on your car. Enhanced Autopilot is a level two autonomous driving assistance feature. It is not self-driving, and you do need to remain attentive and keep your hands on the wheel at all times. Now, you've probably heard about Autopilot. You've probably heard most about its freeway, highway usage, and yes, it is nice for that. In my experience, what it allows is that you can, you can relax a bit. You can kind of relax one level because the car, the autopilot, is handling the moment-to-moment -moment effort of keeping the car in the lane and maintaining distance from the car in front of you. But what I personally love most about autopilot is when you're in stop-and-go traffic, which is part of my commute every single morning for a little while. If you turn on autopilot and stop and go traffic, you really basically ha can do just nothing. You can basically just sit there. The car rarely uh, yells at you to grab the wheel when you're in stop and go. And it's, it's fairly safe to just be hands off and just sit there and chill out. But again, you're supposed to keep your hands on the wheel at all times. Let me caveat that. So, uh... If you've ordered autopilot and you've taken delivery, the first thing you need to do is make sure that it's turned on. 
Go into your car settings menu, click on the autopilot tab, and make sure everything in there, auto steer, summon, etc., are turned on. Uh, what I have noticed, because I, side story, I, I went and helped out with deliveries for new customers at, at the Fremont headquarters, the Fremont Delivery Hub, at the end of the third quarter when they were making their big profitability push and they had just tons and tons of cars to, to get going. A, a ton of owners volunteered their time to go kind of help with these, these new customer orientations. Anyway, I noticed in my experience there that basically, I mean, not basically, every single car was delivered with all the autopilot stuff turned off, even if the customer had ordered it, which is, I mean, it's probably for legal and or liability reasons, and I get that. Um, and the thing is, most people, I, I don't mean this as a criticism, I actually shared this feedback with the, the, the team leads at the Fremont Delivery Hub, but uh, most of the folks I talked to uh, had the, the customers mean mean uh, what I mean is the most of those people had not been had not had that explained to them by their Tesla uh, rep that, that you actually have to turn all this stuff on before you can use it. So anyway, check make sure it's all on. And once it's turned on, there's one more step. Don't panic when you turn it on and it doesn't work right away. That's because it has to calibrate before it's ready to use the sensors. And the cameras all have to calibrate themselves, uh, which can take up to about 50 miles. In my experience, it's, it's most likely you're going to have it calibrated between 30 and 40 miles. The car will let you know when it is ready to use. But just so you're aware, it's, it's got to all be turned on, and then it's got to be calibrated. So there's a couple of steps to go before you can use it. Now, to activate autopilot, if you're in a Model S or a Model X, pull the small stalk that's on your left below the turn signal stalk. Take that little stalk and pull it towards you twice quickly. So pull, pull. Uh, what that does is the first pull turns on traffic aware, or pardon me, traffic adaptive cruise control. The second pull turns on your auto steer and combined those make autopilot. On model three, all you got to do is tap the right stalk down twice. So tap down, tap down and you are set to go. It, it'll, you'll hear the beep and it'll be turned on. In a Model 3, if you wanna raise or lower your maximum speed, you can use the right scroll wheel to do that without needing to touch the pedals or anything else. Uh, and also, you can, if you click that same right mouse wheel uh, button to the left or to the right, that will adjust your follow distance relative to the car in front of you. I keep mine at uh, four, sometimes three, but never, never less than that. It is a relative distance. On the Model S, everything is done with that dedicated autopilot stalk that's on your lower left there. To disengage autopilot at any time, there are three ways you can do it. Press the brake, grab the wheel, and uh, you know take, take over the wheel, or the kind of more elegant way to do it is to just, in a Model 3, just push up once on that right stalk and on the Model S, take that dedicated autopilot stalk and just push it away from you once, you know, the opposite of pulling it towards you to turn it on. And that will disengage autopilot. Another part of autopilot is summon. Now summon is used to move your car without you in it. You can move it forwards or backwards. 
into or out of tight spots or tight garages. In the Model S and X, it used, and actually the Model 3 will soon have a key fob option. So it uses the key fob, you can do it on there, or you can use the Tesla app to operate the summon functionality as well. Like autopilot, it does need to be turned on in the car's autopilot menu in order to use it. And I have to say, it can be useful. Uh, it only works on flat ground, so just, just to let you know. So if you have a, a, a quite an incline in your driveway, it's probably not going to work for you. But I will often use mine when I'm pulling into a parking spot and I get kind of, you know, a good way of the way in. But, you know, there's the parking curb and I don't want to scrape the underside of my, my front front end on that. So I'll stop, I'll get out of the car, I'll eyeball it. And if I think I can make it over, I will use summon to just, I'll be standing in front of the car, in front of the curb and just move the car forward to pull it up, pull it forward and park it. So that's, that's one use case uh, where I like to use summon. Now that, let's, let me talk real quick and uh, to end, close out this section about the future of autopilot. Navigate on autopilot is the newest feature that just became available as I record this. How that, what that does is if you put in your destination on the navigation system, what it's going to do when you get on the freeway is it will change lanes for you on the freeway. It'll take interchanges for you to get you where you're, where you're going. And ultimately it will get you right to your exit. For now, as I record this, the cars do require you to approve every single one of those lane changes. But eventually, after Tesla validates enough miles with their, you know, with that AI to verify that it's working well, you will have the option, Tesla says, to waive that approval requirement and just let the car automatically change lanes and just let it auto take you. Again, still hands on the wheel, still alert, but it's going to do all the movement for you. So uh, that could potentially be pretty darn cool once it's fully validated and, uh, and out there. But there is that initial version is out there now as I record this. And then, of course, as far as the future of autopilot goes, eventually, could be three years, could be five, could be ten, who knows, I, or at least I don't know, we will hopefully eventually get to full self-driving. Section 7, Maintenance. Well, Teslas don't have a lot of maintenance. That's one of the beauty parts of them and generally all electric vehicles. So what the thing to keep an eye on, you should get your battery checked, your battery pack checked out and your battery coolant flushed and replaced either annually or at the worst uh, every two years. Tesla will, when they go in and check your battery out, they'll replace any bad cells, if applicable. You know, it happens sometimes. The, and the, the way the battery pack is designed, they can just replace a small quantity of cells rather than have to swap out the entire battery pack. And really, the only other thing to worry about on these cars is windshield washer fluid. That's it. Well, that and, of course, rotating your tires just like pretty well any other car. Um, and one more thing in this section that, that I think belongs under maintenance, software updates. So like your smartphone, your Tesla will periodically receive software updates over the air, uh, either over the LTE connection that's, uh, you know, included in every car or over your Wi-Fi. If you have, uh, if the car is connected to Wi-Fi either way, 
And those software updates, sometimes they're bug fixes, but uh, on a fairly regular basis, they add new features to your car. Yes, your car gets better the longer that you have it. Now, for instance, since I have received mine three months ago, Tesla has added, to name a few things, four playable Atari games, classic old school Atari games right in the car. They've added, uh, more seriously, the navigate on autopilot feature that I talked about a minute ago in the in the autopilot section. And even a, a little thing like a walk-away lock confirmation where it just taps the horn just to audibly let me know that the that I've when I've walked away from the car that the whole that the car is locked down. That didn't used to be there. Now it's there. So uh, Tesla adds new features on a regular basis. They do it based on, of course, their own development. They do it based on customer feedback. Uh, you can, yeah, you you can submit bug reports in your car if you click in on the Model Three or actually S all three cars. Click in that right button on the steering wheel and say bug report, and then tell you tell them give them the feedback or tell them what you want to see in the car, and that gets sent off. You'll see a little confirmation message that says thanks for your feedback, and someone at Tesla listens to that and parses it and filters it and. And things, uh, things do get done. So it's pretty cool. Now, the software updates, it's important to mention, those will always be totally free. Even if you don't opt to renew your premium internet connectivity subscription after your free one-year trial is up. So yes, that is a thing. If, if you weren't already aware, it's $100, it's $100 per year after that first free year for that premium connectivity that's going to get you all the internet radio stations, the slacker music stuff, all of that is part of the premium internet connectivity. You get one year free of it with the car, and then you'll have to pay uh, on an annual basis after that. Section 8, cleaning and detailing. Well, there are many popular methods to for, for the best ways to clean your Tesla, and also many theories about how to best protect the paint uh, should you elect to, to take those steps. Many of those are right. Uh, in my humble opinion, it's all about the detailer. You want to find someone, if you're going to go that route, you want to find somebody whose work is excellent, whose reputation is good, and who's honest about their pricing and their process. So the three sort of main components to the higher levels of detailing, and I'll talk about sort of regular at-home cleaning next, but there's paint correction. So every car from every manufacturer comes home to you with some flaws in the paint. You might not be able to see them. They might be like swirls. They might be, you know, uh, this, that, the other thing in the paint. And And a professional detailer can go through your car and through a combination of wet sanding and buffing and all these other processes can take a lot of that stuff out and work, you know, restore the clear coat and just basically have your paint job looking as absolutely perfect as it possibly can be. So that's, that's paint correction. If that's something that's of interest to you. And then, uh, some people like to do paint protection film, which is a clear, uh, thin layer of material uh, that that goes over the paint 
Uh, and a lot of people, some people do it over the entire car. Some people do it over just the front nose of the car. My personal recommendation is that if you are gonna do it, do at least the entire front of the car up to and including the mirrors. So the hood, the front fascia, the, the front and uh, left fenders, and then the, the uh, side view, the side view mirrors. Because those are gonna be where the most rocks are gonna be and debris and you know, things like that are gonna be coming at your car. And the paint protection film can help protect you against rock chips. It won't protect you against everything, but it can definitely be of help. And again, the pricing on that, there's different there's different um, manufacturers on the film. There's uh, S-Tech, there's, uh, there's Expel, there's uh, SunTech, I believe is the other one. So there are sort of, there, there are a few of them and they all have their pluses and minuses, but generally in my humble opinion, it's really all about the, the expertise of the detailer themselves as opposed to the material. The materials are all pretty good. So find yourself a good detailer, talk to them about what you wanna, what your goals are for the car. Uh, so there's that. And then the, the sort of the third piece of the, the big detailing puzzle is ceramic coating, if you've heard about this. Ceramic coating, it's important to, to note, is not a, a paint protection. Basically what it is, is it's a, it's a car wax. It's a wax on steroids. It's like a, it's a crazy, awesome new technology wax-like sub process and material that will last. It costs a, a lot more than a wax does, but it lasts for three to five years. And it makes your water, your car very hydrophobic. So the water just beads right off of it, makes it easier to clean. So uh, you might want to do one of those, two of those, all three of those, none of those. But just so you're aware, those are those are sort of the basic fundamentals of detailing. Now, as for actual actual cleaning, there are again many methods. There's there's waterless wash. There's the two bucket method. There's just go and do a touchless car wash, going through the conveyor belt. There's you know etc. And you know different people have different opinions on what's best or what works for them. My detailer, who I have come to trust very much recommends the two bucket method. So he, I asked, I asked him, tell me exactly what I should get. What, what buckets, what cleaners, what, what, you know, washing mitt, what towels. And he gave me, he hooked me up, told me everything to get, and I got it all. And, you know, I've been having a really fun time out washing my car in the garage. I've got a power washer, uh, that he, which he recommended to me, and I do it all in my garage, and the car looks great, and uh, I, I feel like you know I'm doing it the right way. Uh, that that again, I'm following his recommendation to to best you know prevent the introduction of any foreign objects to in you know into the scratch because you know, I'm not scratching anything into the 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 car. So you know that makes me feel good. So uh, you know it, whichever one you might like, again the touchless, the two bucket. Just, I would say, look it up on, search for it on YouTube. So if you don't want a YouTube two-bucket car wash method, you'll find a million videos on, of people showing you, detailers showing you how the two-bucket method works. So you can, you can look more uh, about those on YouTube if you're interested. Now, for your interior, know that your Tesla has a synthetic material, vegan interior. I have no, no leather anymore. 
I have, except the steer, the steering wheels are leather, but that's, you know, mo- the seats are, are not leather anymore. I have the white interior in my Model 3, and as you might guess, you might even be thinking of it right now, I get asked about keeping it clean a lot. It's a very, very common question. But guess what? Tesla thought of that. So this synthetic material, it keeps very clean very easily. All you gotta do, the instructions are, I uh, take a, a rubbing alcohol wipe, a 70% isopropyl alcohol. I found a, a, a jug, a plastic jug of, of wipes that I, you just tear out one by one out of the bucket and I just wipe the seats down with that. That gets any little dust or dirt and stuff off of there. And then I follow that in, with, in my white interior car with a, you know, a nice, gentle, sort of no-chemical baby wipe. That, uh, so that, what that does for me is it's getting any res- alcohol residue off of the seat from the, from the alcohol wipe, and it's getting any little alcohol smell off of the seat that, that may have been there for the you know 10 seconds it was on the seat. So it's a two-step process for me. It's very easy. It doesn't take long. I do it about once a month. And yeah, okay, I've only had the car for three months, so it's really tough to say. But uh, I've seen plenty of white Tesla interiors on S's and X's, particularly the X, that still look great after a couple of years and, and plenty of miles on them. So uh, just take that uh, information how you will. Finally, to clean your dashboard touchscreen, go to the screen cleaning mode located in the display tab of your car settings menu and use the included lint-free cloth that should have been in your glove box at delivery. If you didn't get one, you might want to contact Tesla, see if they can get you taken care of because you should have got, I got one with my car, but then you can wipe down all the fingerprints and stuff off of your off of your touchscreen without messing with your settings at all. There is a nice screen cleaning mode right in there for you. Section nine, miscellaneous tips and tricks. Well, here are a few, just a few fun little tips and tricks that I've picked up along the way, either through my own discovery or from hearing about these from other people. So did you know that you can just push the button on a supercharging cable, when it's in your hand and you want to plug it in, there's a button on right on top of there, basically where your thumb would go, and right on top. Push that button and your charge port door on your Tesla will open. This works on every Tesla. I bring this up because I have seen people at the superchargers go into their app and open the charge door uh, through there when they're standing right next to the supercharger. So just in case you don't know, you just push that little button, just tap it, right on top of the supercharging cable uh, and your charge port will open. This also, that, by the way, that also works for the included Tesla charging cable too, your, your mobile connector. So you can do that with that as well. You don't have to use an app. On a similar note for Model 3, I just wanna make sure that everyone knows this little tidbit as well. I apologize if you do already know this, but I met someone the other day who didn't know about it. So uh, in the Model 3, a light press on the turn signal in either direction will do three blinks and then turn itself off. It's, it's, so it's, it's for changing lanes. So if you're, you just tap it down and then you'll get left blink, left blink, left blink. And it just, that's it. It turned itself off. You don't have to push it all the way down, make your lane change and then 
push it, you know, up or down again to turn it off. You don't have to do that. There's that little, there's that little three uh, thing shortcut. That, and I believe it, I'm almost positive the S and the X have that same thing. In fact, they definitely do. They definitely do. They, they both have that as well. So all three Teslas do that. Uh, there's a neat little thing. This isn't really, a, this is just a thing the car does automatically, but the rear vents, the, the rear air conditioning, the, the HVAC vents on the back of the center console in all three cars, they automatically turn on or off when you turn on your HVAC uh, from your dashboard touchscreen based on whether or not it senses someone in the back. So uh, if there is someone back there, then it turns on that that uh, those vents on the back of the center console. And if not, it won't turn them on to conserve some energy there. So that's just a really cool little smart thing that the car does. You'll notice that, of course, there's a phone icon in your car. You can go in there and, you know, make calls with Bluetooth. You can look at your contacts, all that stuff. Uh, and you'll notice that the phone icon is, a, is an old-timey, old-school phone. And here's a little Easter egg. If you just hold your finger over that for two to three seconds, it will change from phone to ahoy hoy. And if you're wondering, like I did, what the heck that means, well, I looked it up. Here it is. It's what Alexander Graham Bell's preferred greeting was when you answered the phone. And it clearly never caught on, but I never knew that. So yeah, it'll change to ahoy hoy if you'd like that fun little Easter egg in your car. Uh, there are plenty more of these, no doubt. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a ton of them. Um, oh, actually, here's one other thing. Don't forget to check out your Easter egg basket, your car's collection of Easter eggs. So to get to them, touch the Tesla T logo in the top center of your dashboard touchscreen, and then just drag the window that has the information about your car with like the picture of it and the VIN number, uh, just drag that down and you should see that an Easter egg box opens up with some fun animated icons in there. Rainbow Road, Santa Sleigh, um, the Mars one, and then uh, that's also where the Atari games that I mentioned earlier in this podcast, that's where they live as well. So don't miss those Easter eggs. Section 10, future cars. Well, Tesla, of course, isn't done. They're just getting started. There are several cars on the horizon for Tesla. In a reasonable order, the next one is most likely going to be the Tesla Semi, a 500 plus mile range semi truck that also has ridiculous performance as well, but a you know, fully electric semi truck. Uh, that, that many companies have been making pre-orders on. That is expected to start rolling out uh, in the later part of 2019. Most of you listening to this probably won't be buying a semi, but you might buy the next car after that, which is the Model Y. It is a smaller crossover utility vehicle. Basically, a, a, the, the analogy would be Model uh, three is to Model S as Model Y is to Model X, a smaller crossover SUV. We don't know anything about it yet. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know how many people it will seat. We don't know how much it will cost. Uh, my suspicion is it will start much like the Model X starts a bit higher price 
than the Model S does. Uh, I suspect the Y will start a little bit higher than the 3 does. If I had to, again, just guess, I'm guessing the base price will probably be $40,000 on the Model Y. But again, I'm basing that only off of my own intuition. That car is expected to first be available either in late 2020, probably more like 2021 before anybody really starts getting their hands on them. But we'll see about that. That is a hotly anticipated car because America loves SUVs and uh, an electric Tesla affordable SUV that's, you know, half the price of the Model X uh, would be something I think that could do very, very well. Another vehicle Tesla has in the works is a next-generation Tesla Roadster. Now, the, the Tesla's first car ever was the Tesla Roadster, which they built in cooperation with Lotus. Uh, it was sort of a heavily modified. It was originally based on the Lotus Elise, but it ended up being very heavily modified and sharing virtually no components with the Elise by the by the end of the day. Uh, the original Roadster was made from 2008 to 2012 in very small quantities. There were only about 2,500 of them made. It was effectively the proof of concept that showed that an electric car can be long range and it can be high performance and it can be fun. And it worked and it led to the Model S and on and so forth. And here we are. Well, Tesla is building a new Tesla Roadster that is expected out. Uh, again, they're saying 2020. Uh, I, I expect, you know, if that's the case, it's probably going to be the later part of 2020, maybe 2021. We'll see. But that car, it is it is intended. I'm, I'm not directly quoting Elon Musk here, but but I'm closely paraphrasing him. He said the intention behind that car is to give a, quote, hardcore smackdown to gas powered cars. His his goal, Elon's goal, Tesla's goal is to make uh the best car ever made, the highest performance car ever made, an electric car, and have it just be so far beyond anything else, any other gas supercar that it's you'd you'd never, you know, you'd never doubt electric ever again. Uh it's going to go zero to sixty in one point nine seconds, and that's only the base model, according to Elon Musk. There'll be a higher end option that somehow goes even quicker than that. The top speed of the car will be in excess of 250 miles per hour. Tesla's not giving an exact figure there yet. It has two plus two seating, uh, so it room for you know small people, children in the in the the rear seats, and it has a removable glass roof. And here's the big one: it has a 200 kilowatt hour battery pack in it that's good for. 620 miles of highway range, not stop and go, super ultra efficient. It's 65 miles an hour, 620 miles of range. This car uh, floored everyone when it was unveiled in November of 2017. Its price, the base price of it is $200,000. There will be other variants that go a bit higher. So that is the Roadster. And then Tesla is planning a pickup truck. Uh, Elon's very excited about this. He's actually publicly commented on how excited he is about the idea of a Tesla pickup. He's been talking about features that it could have. And just, again, my opinion, my interpretation, it sounds like it's probably going to be a very expensive truck when it launches. 
at least at first, because it's going to have a lot of bells and whistles and unbelievable cool things on it. So that's just my opinion, but that's a bit further out. Uh, and then eventually we're looking at a model, This and this is my terminology, Tesla has not named this, a Model 4, a compact sedan, sm- you know, smaller than the Model 3 for around a $25,000 base price. So we'll see. that. That's the roadmap. They've got a heck of a roadmap, a lot going on. So that is the future of Tesla vehicles as we know it today. Well, that's it. That's everything I've got for you in my beginner's guide to buying and owning a Tesla vehicle. Again, I've probably left stuff out. I'm human. I acknowledge that. I made a huge outline for this. Uh, Did as much, you know, dug into the well of research as much as I could, but I'm sure there's some common thing that you want to know that I may have left out. So please let me know what what you think I missed or what I should add. And eventually, once enough of those have piled up, I'm more than happy to record a, a, you know, a part two of this. And again, I mentioned it earlier, but if you have any questions at all or about Tesla or or ordering or anything about it, or you want to just talk more about it, feel free to email me anytime. I'm here for for you. Consider me a resource. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. If you like, I'm also on Twitter. If you'd like to follow me or message me there, I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. That's also my Instagram, DMC underscore Ryan on there. Uh, The Instagram has basically a kind of a travel log. It's all Tesla pictures. It's all of my car and what I'm doing with it and the, the, the stuff I'm doing. So uh, if you care about that or don't, uh, that's, that's what goes on there. And again, finally, if you have found this helpful, as I do hope you have, and, and you decide to order a Tesla, I would humbly ask that you please consider using my referral code. That way you will get the six months of free unlimited supercharging uh, and I will, I get a, a little benefit out of that as well. There, there are some prizes associated for the, uh, the, ref, the person we're doing the referring. So my code again is Ryan seven, three, zero, one, four. If you want to, if you're ordering online, just again, type in TS dot LA slash Ryan seven, three, zero, one, four. And that will wrap it up. As always, I I podcast next to my my boxer puppy, Daisy. She's been snoozing soundly the whole time I've been recording this here, uh, which is now, wow, it's 12.08 a.m. as I finish this up. So it's been a late night. But uh, thank you all so much for listening. Again, my my goal with this is simply to to try and be a resource and and be helpful. I hope this was helpful. and I hope to hear from you, whether you liked it or not. It'll be how I can how I can do better with it uh, in the future. But in any case, happy electric motoring. And uh, if you if you'd like if you like this and you want to hear more from me every week, again I have my weekly Tesla podcast called Ride the Lightning Tesla Motors Unofficial Podcast. You can find that on iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, I think that's, and also in the Teslas as well. Once you get your car, you can, if you just search, if you click the podcasts tab and then search, uh, Tesla or ride the lightning, you will see me pull up, uh, on that list there. So thank you all so much. Have a wonderful morning, day, afternoon, evening, night, wherever and whatever you happen to be listening. Take care.
I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun. 